Welcome back, everybody. And Bobby, how are you doing today? Good, Bill. How are you doing? We're going to start a long series of conversations about how to get your work out in front of people. And back in the day, there was really only one way to do that, and that was the comic book convention. Have you ever yeah. been to one? Yeah, one or two. <laughs> one or two. Or one or two hundred? Hundred? Yes, yes. At one point, we were doing almost 20 to 25 a year. So early on in Blue Line, um, which has been a long time ago. Um, yeah, we were doing 20, somewhere about 20 to 30. We were gone every other weekend to some type of show, um, whether it was a big show like Chicago, uh, New York, or if it was a smaller show like the uh, hotel room in a Ramada Inn, we were always at some show. But no matter the size, they were much more important back in the day than they are now. Don't get me wrong. They're still a vital part of the industry. But how would you, do you think things have changed in the past two decades even? You know, it's been a long time. Are they, it are has. They, are they yeah, as well, big as they used to be? You know. Well, some shows have gotten huge, and that's the problem. They've gotten so big. And, you know, they... Here in Cincinnati, we have a really nice show, of course you know. Um, the thing is, for the show promoters to grow and everything, it's grown from being a comic show to a, it's called a signature show. <laughs> um, you have your movie stars, you have your actors, you have your big name talent. All that cost a show to bring them in. Of course, all that attracts a lot of foot traffic through the front door. But it also takes a lot of money off the floor. So they have changed tremendously. And you don't see as many of the small shows you used to see. Um, almost every weekend you could find a comic show somewhere if you wanted to go sit up at a hotel inn or something like that. There was always these, these local small shows. And there's still a few, but most I don't see them as often. But if you're an independent creator, you know, say, you know, back in the day, you wanted to get your project out in front of people. Uh, a comic convention was the way to do it. Yeah, because that's where the comic book fans went. One, to group together themselves, grab their buddies who was also into it, hit the show, uh, see their favorite creators, maybe try to find some new ones in Artist Alley. Um, that was a thing to do, and I did it myself. That, that was where you went, whether it was a small show or one of the larger shows. I mean, I did Chicago back in the day before Wizard and stuff owned it. It was a great show. Um but yeah, like you said, back then, it was good. Nowadays, you don't have as much contact with the fans as you used to back in the day. Well, this is, we're talking about the day before internet and social media. And one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, people were looking for new talent. They were looking for new projects. And you could go to a convention and find things that you would never, not necessarily find in your local comic book shop. Sure. A lot of the indie stuff wasn't being carried. I mean, if you think back then, let's go, let's go 25 years back. I know that seems like a long time for some guys listening to this and people listening to this. But 25 years ago, how many books came out on a weekly basis? Well, Not, what comes out on a weekly basis now is easily what used to be a monthly, you know, total yeah, for comics. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, 20, 25 titles, and I'm not too sure what comes out now, but 
I know it was a lot less. So, and the cost of the comics were a lot less. So people had more money to spend when they went to shows. They were looking for the next adventure, the next hot artist, uh, what was going on. And they didn't only look at the main companies. There was, you know, sure, people went to the, the big companies and got their signatures or sketches from the big name artists of the day. But there was a lot of buzz in Artist Alley of looking for the next big thing. People wanted to come up from a convention with something they couldn't get anywhere else but that at, at that convention. Sure, and usually it's the small indie guy um, who's publishing himself or a small creator got hooked up with a you know, medium-sized publisher. Um, still has their his own book or something. You know, you're always looking for that specialty item. And the thing is, you had money. The biggest thing that I run into nowadays is that shows aren't accessible to the fans as much because the shows cost so much. There's and, and they don't have the money. I don't know. It, it's sort of like like they don't have the money to spend, so it's harder to get them over to the table to talk to them. Yes, maybe. It, it's true for a lot of reasons. I mean, they weren't, no one considered them cheap 20 years ago when they went to a convention. No. But there's so many other things that, you know, so many different areas of collectibles that are now available. Comic conventions used to be pretty much comics. There were a few things in older toys and, mm-hmm. you know, um, but people were there to buy comic books and original artwork and sketches. And now, there are so many, you know, you go to a comic book convention and there's jewelry and clothing and glassware. And you're like, how do all these things even relate to the overall pop culture concept? But they do. All right. Right. And they're they're bringing in a more diverse audience to go to conventions. OK. But it's also draining so many people's resources. Well, now also think about just getting through the door. If you come through, it's 30 bucks to get through the door. So you've already done 30 bucks. If you go as a family of four, that's $120. Yeah. And then you want to get an autograph, you know, could be anywhere from 30 bucks to $200, depending on what kind of package you buy. You know, you've got several hundred hours dumped into this um, the show before you've really seen anybody or seen anything else or seen that, you know, that comic or that print you might want. And so it's almost like, you know, back in the day, we used to go to the mall and we go window shopping. Yes. It's almost like window. um, It's almost like artist alley has become window shopping. They're looking at it just to pass the time because they spent the money to come there to hang out all day. Well, an average fan may save up $300 to spend at a convention. Well, they just got five celebrity autographs. Uh, so many dealers complaining that even in a dealer's room, people, it's becoming window shopping because like, oh, I really want to buy this. Uh, I don't have any money left. I got autographs. Sure. That's the first sure. thing they're going for. Yep. So, I mean, the biggest thing, though, the difference between today and the past is that we do have social media. So when I go to a show, like I haven't gone to I haven't set up a show in a couple of years because health issues. But this coming year, I'm going to start setting up again. My big push is to push my social media so I can stay in contact with whoever I'm able to see. Um, I'm not too sure it's profitable to even try that, but that's the way I see trying. Well, go ahead. Well, back in the day, the convention was social media. That's where you gathered. Yes. Okay. That was your mm-hmm. chat room. That was, you know, 
that was the discourse of the day. You got people of like mind together and talk to each other face to face. And it was, you know, a rare opportunity to, t- you know, because you didn't have that constant ability to talk to people who were also fans of what you were fans of on a day to day basis. And the cool thing was, is that you go to Chicago and you'd have this one group of fans that you'd see every year. And, you know, it was, you know, same guys, same girls coming by, you're talking to them and everything. And you'd go to Motor City Con and it'd be another group. So, and then, you know, you'd go to another show in Cincinnati or somewhere and it'd be, so you had these different groups that you were constantly seeing every year in and out, in and out and building some type of relationship with them and communicating with them and, for me, I was so many of them were uh, beginning artists and stuff. I would see their art and stuff, which was really cool, and I got to see it grow. But that's how you kept in contact with the, with these these people is by these small groups that you would see at the shows every year, in and out. It I, doesn't happen as much. I think that's a very important point that you brought up. That uh, it, you're talking about building a rapport with people over time. I know many um, young artists who went to shows back then spent overspent on the money that they had for a bigger table and making try to make a big splash did not get instant success and did not understand why they didn't get instant success <laughs> and and then they had no money to do the next show and the next show yeah and they didn't realize that you're never your first appearance is never going to you know make you the top not give you your dreams aren't going to come true the first time no matter how good you are no matter how good the product is it takes time to build a rapport with an audience it does and, and the good thing is we have the social media to start something now we don't have to keep dumping money in the shows and the shows and the shows trying to build up that that fan base per se but you know shows are so costly and, and like you said this is one of many times we're going to discuss this especially once i get back out there doing more shows we'll share more information on what's going on but i you know somebody asked how you do a shows and i can remember doing a chicago con to where our booth space cost i think it was fifteen hundred dollars and but this was blue line a little different than a publisher so I had paid help there with room and food. And honestly, by the time everything was paid, I think we walked out of that hall with maybe true profit of maybe 500 bucks, which is to some publishers and some people go, oh, that's $500. The amount of work, and you've worked some of those shows. Oh, yes. Me. And so is the my m- wife. Yes. <laughs> um, the amount of work that goes into doing something like that to truly walk out of there at $500 profit was ridiculous. And it was truly just there to build a brand. We were showing up there to keep our brand out in front of the creators. And really, that might be, once you have a brand built up, it might be the value of doing a show. Um, I've had many discussions over the past couple of years since I haven't been doing shows. I've been keeping up with a bunch of guys who are and constantly talking to them and what's going on. You know, they're telling me what's selling, what's not selling. And truly the only purpose I see of a show right now for comic creators is if you have a brand and what I mean, a brand is either you're working on building your name up or you have a project that you're trying to get it, you, you've been working on building it up as a brand and you want to expose it to more people and you can afford to write off 100% of the cost of doing that show. That's the only way I see shows being profitable. 
because yeah, there's more, more profit is more than just the money you walk out with. So there's, you know, you can build a lot of rapport on social media, but it will never replace the, the eye to eye contact, shaking hands, you know, really interacting with uh, fellow professionals and fans. And, you know, that can build your rapport, you know, more than any social media contact can. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. No, I but, agree with you. But they're both today. They're both incredibly important points. Okay. If you just walk into a show, it's going to take you years to build that rapport. But if you start building a social media presence, then you're going to find people at the show like, oh, yes, I know you from social media. And, you know, it's and putting, you know, the personal contact in addition to what you build up online. That's when you're really making progress. Yeah. Well, I personally follow creators that I've met or or have liked a whole time and beating them at shows puts a face and a handshake to that creator um and in a good creator who's working on his brand realizes that and they also put that in their social media they they personalize their social media towards keeping their fans base and that's something else we'll have to come back to is how to keep your brand going alive from shows to social media um you want to keep everybody engaged but the show's there's just, I mean, I have printed books. I can remember going to hotel rooms and physically taking arning boards down and stapling ash cans there at the show to have product there, thinking, man, this is going to be great. And I, I, I think I know the work was great, but the support wasn't always there. And, you know, you go in, you sell five, five copies. Why? Because you're competing with everybody else who's doing the exact same thing. Um, so, you know, I, I think when, when you're the there number, with dozens and dozens of people who are all saying, look at me, you know, uh, and they all they all are worthy of looking at for the most. Oh, yeah, right? it can be overwhelming for a fan. Like, which is the thing that's going to appeal to me most? And part of it is the quality of the work. But part of a large part of it is your presence and your salesmanship. Mm hmm. You can't just sit behind a booth waiting for them to come to you. You have to create an appealing looking space. You have to be able to engage with people. And these are hard learned lessons. It doesn't come easily to most people. Well, there's a double edged sword to doing a show. I see these creators who go to shows, put out lists, um, commission lists, and they spend the whole weekend doing commissions. They're making money for them to do the show to promote their book. The problem is. Their heads down. They're drawing the whole time. They're not interacting with anybody coming up to their table or interacting very little. If they're smart, they have somebody else there with with them who will interact with that person um, to do what they're there to do, which is build the brand. Um, and usually, you know, the commissions are probably good enough to maybe cover the cost, maybe not. And did you really benefit from doing that show at the end of the day? Because you're so focused on getting the people want their drawing done that weekend so they can take it home, not mail to them later. Okay. Exactly. But it takes so much time away from the ability to interact with other people to get new people. You know, you've got that one fan who likes you enough to commission your work. Okay. But what about all the people who don't know who you are, who, you know, with just a little bit of personal interaction, may become a new fan. You have to yeah. weigh the value of those. My suggestion is never do commissions at shows. Make a commission list and then say, look, put a deposit down. I'll send it to you. You know, so many people go, oh, I get screwed that way. No, no, that happens to very few. 
Um, Because your main goal there is to promote whatever the brand is you're promoting. So, I mean, if you can take enough commissions home, crank them out within the next couple weeks, get them sent off and it paid for the cost of the show, then that is bonus, bonus there. You were there, the brand, and you you comped enough money to cost of the show. That's huge. But so many people don't do that. Um, I was guilty of early on, and then I realized, wait a minute, I'm not here for commissions or drawing or, or, or whatever. I'm here to build this brand. I'm here to meet people, shake hands like a politician. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're there for, and to meet and greet as many people as you can. And, uh, and Well, not only I, fans, but fellow professionals. You're building relationships yes. that can lead to work in the future. Yes. Um, constantly building bridges, not tearing them down, as Bo Smith used to say. Got to constantly build the bridges. And it's kind of hard. It's, it is a bit of a game of politics, okay, of, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your time there is valuable, okay? Uh, it used to be much more valuable, but now you can back things up with social media. But getting things started in, a, in person can make people much more willing to interact with you on social media afterwards. No, I agree. And it, it, you know, there's a reason politician goes out and shakes hands, right? They, they know the value of face being in front of putting a face with a name, a face with a reason or whatever. And we're putting a face with a product. And we're saying, hey, come and support me. Because down the road, you got to get that, build that, build that handshake into a fan. And then you want to take that fan and build them into a super fan. So that when you're not in the comic store and you're asking them to support your Kickstarter, then you need that super fan who's going to support what you're doing. So it all begins or can begin. By putting a face to it, by shaking that hand, showing them your work, getting something at their hand. If they go to walk away without buying something, give them a postcard with your image on it. So, and there again, another podcast about merchandising and promoting at a show if you decide shows are profitable for you. Well, we know they're not what they used to be. They're not the be-all and end-all that they were 20 years ago. But I think we're talking about the fact that they are. they do have a lot of value. But you have to be careful how you approach a show, what you're trying to get out of it, how much money you're going to put into it and being able to follow up on it, you know, and we're going to get later into step-by-step how to do these things and how to really make the most of these personal contacts. Like you said, if it, in today's day and age of social media and television advertising and huge budgets, politicians are still going to the County fair and shaking hands Mm -hmm. and that, even at the presidential level, it had, they know that it has value. They wouldn't be doing it because it affects how you see someone. And shows are not what they used to be, but they can still be a major part of building your brand and having, connecting you with both fans, fellow rising stars, and, you know, and just, you know, hey, you can also have a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great getting around a bunch of creators. I mean, I've had... Um, uh, table neighbors, and that's your person who are been longtime friends now. But I met them sitting up at a show, you know, or across the aisle from them, uh, reacquainting with friends I hadn't seen for a long time at shows. So 
Uh, it's sort of funny because I felt like when we we're going to start recording today, I'm like, I'm anti-shows, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're not worth it anymore. And the more we talk about it, it's sort of becoming, okay, now if you can justify the cost, there still may be a good edge to doing shows, you know, and definitely it's building brands, being a politician, getting out there, showing your face, showing your work. I, I truly do not believe you go there to make money at the show unless you're taking commissions home. I think you're you're that's a mistake there. I think you have to be careful in the amount of products you create to sell at the show because I'm not too sure there's money there that people will buy because as we discussed, it costs so much to get in, cost them so much to get that big name autograph. Uh, they're gonna eat. There's so much stuff sucking the money up before they stand in front of your table. That there's probably not a whole lot left. But, but, getting, but getting a postcard with your contact information and image on it to remind them of what they saw, that can be, you know, priming the pump and get and build really building a new fan. The key, which we'll talk about more and more, is don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't go to New York, okay, when a a smaller regional show is going to give you more bang for your buck. Don't you know, you want to be a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond than be totally ignored in the in San Diego or New York City. Yeah. Well, I've done them all. I can't say I've done them all. I've done New York. I've yeah. done San Diego. San Diego. I've done uh, many, many shows, many, many Chicago's, uh, many, many Motor City Cons. Um, and like I said, I haven't done any in a few years. So I'm looking at this year. And I haven't even done local show the past two years, but I'm looking to get back on a local show this year. And I'm looking at maybe doing a much smaller new show or a show that's being modified just to get back into the rhythm of doing a show. There, there's a rhythm. Though. You go in, you set up, you meet and greet, you got to get a feel for it. And, you know, I'm thinking about doing that show prior to Cincinnati because I want Cincinnati to be my best show this year. Um, I'm not jumping back into Chicago. I could. But I'm not, you know, so pick your shows, pick what you believe is true cost. It's going to cost to do that show. Multiply it by two because, <laughs> yes. you know, truly because they always picked on me because I would go to the show, of course, with Blue Line and Sketch Magazine, and I'd go spend a few hundred hours in Artist Alley. And I'm like, I got to support the guys who are buying our products, you know, so I'd go through. And pick up this first issue of this or this cool print portfolio. Um, I just found a uh, mouse guard portfolio that was done up and sold at a show. Um, a piece of original artwork. I would go through. So that was uh, those were unexpected expenses. And you could say, you know, well, it was Blue Line. Well, Blue Line still had to count every penny. Right. So expect, you know, if it's going to cost you. $400 to do a show. No, it's really going to cost you eight because, well, a lot of people don't add gas and all those things. And those are all expenses that it take to do it. So, if you, you know, like I said, coming into this, I was really anti-show. But, yeah, we're going to have to revisit this a few more because I'm getting a little pumped. I think there's a reason for shows for building your brand. But we also need to talk more about how to build that social media presence so they can work oh, yeah. hand in hand. Yes. And, and play off of each other. Well, I, I, one thing I'm personally working on building my brand 
is a new website, a store, and both of these items will be in place prior to my first show I ever do. So the card that I hand out will be an image. On the back of that card is going to be all my connections. Join my Facebook page. Go check out my website for latest updates. This is where you can go and support what I'm doing. That's what my I'm going to pay to hand that card out to as many people as I can. Postcards are cheap. Go to gotprint.com. They're cheap. Um, and you got a lot of them. Four by six postcards. It's the right size. People aren't going to lose it. They can fold it and stick it in their pocket if they want. Um, so it's the right size to get out as a PR piece. Well, one of the things you mentioned there is like being prepared. Uh, one of the worst things I've seen people do, they are so anxious to get to their first convention that they'll go to all the expense and time and trouble and excitement, and they're there to promote a project that will be coming out next summer. Why? Well, because <laughs> it's exciting because you need to know about this great thing that I'm working on that I actually haven't really done yet, but I want you to get so excited that it's coming out next year. And But I'll forget about it before it comes out. Um, yes, I, I, I know where you're heading here because I've, I've done that so many times because you are in the middle of creating. You are in the middle of building. And you want people involved. You can do that on your Facebook page. You can do that on your own site if you're running a blog. You can keep those people involved. But when you're at a show, you want to be promoting the brand, yourself or, or the book. And you want to have something there that they can go either pick up at the show or later go buy off of your store. Now, you know, you can say, I don't know how to build a store. Etsy store is the simplest thing you do in the world. And it's a very low-end cost. Have a PayPal account. Boom. You're good. So you can have a store. Well, but I've seen so many people do this um, to the 90s, early 2000s, where they were promoting something that was going to be coming and you never saw them again, usually because they spent too much money, you know, on this or promotion too early. And then it just ruined their business plan. They really couldn't get anything done. I knew a person who was so excited about the project they were doing. They got a huge booth. They hired uh, a female model to promote their character. And people kept, they, he, they got a lot of attention. Like, tell me about your project. And like, oh, all they had was a postcard type thing. And like, it's coming probably next year. And like, oh, well, I'll see you next year. He wasn't there next year. Right. They spent it all. They spent it all and it just couldn't get it done, you know, and, yeah. but that was one example, but there's so many of them and it's not just from young creators. It's, um, seasoned professionals would wind up doing the same thing, promoting something that wasn't there and you eventually find out they never got to do it. Yep. Or they never completed it because they jumped from project to project or right. like you said, they ran out of money. So then they had to go work for somebody else, freelance or something exactly. and never get back to doing their own project. Okay. So being so, prepared. Okay. Yes. So we can go on forever here, but I think it's yes. time to wrap this particular episode up. But in future ones on this topic, we're going to talk about what, how to prepare your expenses. Okay. What to expect. Okay. Um, how to put together a table, how to make something attractive and how to, so that people will come to look at you rather than just pass you by. How, yes to interact with fans, not just say to do it, you know, but what are some techniques you can use to interact with people when to know when to talk to them, when not to, there's so much to do and, and so much advice that you can be able to give people of how to make their live convention experiences worthwhile. 
so they don't have to learn these lessons over the first five years. Right. And I'll be back out doing it myself, which is a little different than what I've done in the past. In the past, I've always had Blue Line or Sketch Magazine to promote. And actually, I'm going out promoting um, Robert W. Hickey. So I'll be out there with my projects. I'll be taking everything I've learned and put it into action. And then the mistakes and or the successes we have, we're bringing it right back here to the podcast or at shoutfire.com. Uh, so someone will be in podcast here. Someone will be in writing, you know, and so we're looking forward to doing that. I Sounds think it's going to be a fun, fun year, Bob. I think it talk, is. Talk to you again soon. All right. Take care, Bill. Bye-bye.